Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of She's in Tech. I'm Lindsay Browning and I'm a senior software engineer at this dot. With me today is Susan. Hi all. I'm Susan Ma. I am currently working at StackBlitz as a community engineer and you can find me on Twitter at, at Suki Supremo. Thank you, Susan. I should probably have said myself, if you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can do at lbrowning86. So joining us today, we have Noah Ronan. Welcome, Noah. It's great to have you here. Thank you do- for having me. Excited. <laughs> Before we get started on today's topics, would you like to tell us a little bit about your background, Noah, and how you got into your current sort of position? I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Sure. So I'm originally from Israel and Noah, by the way, is one of the most common names for Israeli girls in Israel. (laughs) It's for years the top one on the list. It's NOA. And I say that because it's part of my Twitter name. So, you know, it's no (laughs) no age there. So I'm originally from Israel and I live in the U.S. 16 years. And there is kind of like in my story for the move and after the move. And before the move, I started in the coaching space or so working with leaders, working really with officers in the Israeli army. In Israel, you have, it's mandatory to join the army and serve in the army for two years as a girl and three years as a, as men. And I we didn't call it coaching then, but my job was to really support officers and help them with their experience presence. So that was very interesting. I was very young and it really impacted. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of She's in Tech. I'm Lindsay Browning and I'm a senior software engineer at this dot. With me today is Susan. Hi all. I'm Susan Ma. I am currently working at StackBlitz as a community engineer and you can find me on Twitter at at Suki Supremo. Thank you, Susan. I should probably have said myself, if you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can do at lbrowning86. So joining us today, we have Noah Ronan. Welcome, Noah. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Excited. (laughs) Before we get started on today's topics. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your background, Noah, and how you got into your current sort of position? I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more 
than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Sure. So I'm originally from Israel and Noah, by the way, is one of the most common names for Israeli girls in Israel. <laughs> it's for years the top one on the list. It's NOA. And I say that because it's part of my Twitter name. So, you know, it's no, <laughs> no age there. So I'm originally from Israel and I live in the U.S. 16 years. And there is kind of like in my story for the move and after the move. And before the move, I started in the coaching space or so working with leaders, working really with officers in the Israeli army. In Israel, you have, it's mandatory to join the army and serve in the army for two years as a girl and three years as a, as men. And I we didn't call it coaching then, but my job was to really support officers and help them with their presence. So that was very interesting. I was very young and it really impacted everything I did after I left the army because for years I worked training and development, human resources and change and consulting. So in when many ways, the core of the seed of what I learned in the army impacted my life path. And then with two little kids, we moved to the U.S., New York City, for a job opportunity for my husband. It started with two years relocation adventure. And now those little kids are vicious teenagers. One is ready to <laughs> spread the wings and go to college. I have another one, by the way. And after the move, I was actually lost. I was lost. I was lost for almost five years because I wanted to be the same Noah I was in Israel, in the U.S., but it didn't work for me. And but many times happens, I call it some, and not just me, it's a term in transition points like promotion, like relocation or other transitions in life. The actions that allowed us to show up suddenly don't work for us anymore. It's what Einstein mm. calls insanity, right? Where you're trying to take the same actions and expect different results. And that's where mm. I was for almost five years. It wasn't that I didn't work, but I didn't feel fulfilled as I felt with my career in Israel. And one of the reasons I didn't feel this way is because speaking was my strength. I knew that when I was a little girl, I knew that in the playground, I knew that in the army. And I knew that from a very early age when I sat in rooms with CEOs and seniors and it was easy for me to influence. And I could, I knew that I knew that I'm able to influence when I speak to people and it geared my confidence. And suddenly I moved to a new country. English is my second language. And it wasn't like I couldn't speak English, but in my head, my English was not good enough as mm. I was able to, to represent myself with my first language. And that's how I got in my way. And to keep long, long story short, I took a break, started blogging because blogging was like podcasting today. And I blogged mm. about being an Israeli mom in the US, nothing fancy. I blogged in Hebrew, my first language, not in English, with no intention mm. to get anything out of it. And that's when people reached out to me and say, can you coach us? Wow. And that was cool. So not like you see in the podcast, in the sitcoms that you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to be a life coach. <laughs> I actually thought that coaching was kind of a scam, but I was curious because I said, how come that people at the same week reach out to me and have the same ask? They don't know each 
other. They don't know me. Mm. Universe is telling me something. So rather than what happened before that I would fight with everyone and anyone to do the same thing that I did before, that place of surrender really brought me to coaching. And I did to get trained as a coach, get certified as a coach. And that's where my path as a coach in the last 12 years uh, started. And I have thousands of hours coaching leaders and individuals and social leaders. And it brought me into speaking and also writing a book about leadership, uh, mm-hmm. which I call Beyond Leadership from Awareness to Awareness. So it wasn't as a short introduction, but I hope it gave you an essence of <laughs> my that's journey. A, that's an incredible insight into your experiences there. That's really interesting to listen to. And going back to kind of when you moved into the US and I guess your whole life had to change. And it's something I think that's difficult for a lot of people. And you mm-hmm. seem to have been very successful at change. What advice can you give to people who maybe look into change in, this, in the same way that you did? Um, <laughs> So I'm giggling because I was really good at taking organizations and leaders and human beings through change. But with my relocation experience, (laughs) I actually was a disaster. (laughs) And, (laughs) And that's why I giggle because really, as I shared, I... I tried to replicate everything that I was doing in Israel in a new situation and fighting mm-hmm. everything and everyone. And I was pretty miserable, I have to say, in that experience. But here is what I know now that I'm, I maybe can share and what allowed me to look at change today in a different way than when I went through the relocation. And and that that the moment I surrender, rather than controlling everything, but I surrender and without any intention, I allow things to show up, that's Mm. when things started to show up on my way. And I see that again and again, whenever I try to control things and make them perfect and having all those limiting, you know, those perspectives that don't serve us, try to control everything, that's when I get in trouble. So, so that, that's, One thing I want to say about change, the other thing I want to share about change is that most of us in a time of change need to redefine ourselves. I was one Noah in Israel, and then I became a new Noah. And in that new situation, I was not a new Noah. I was Noah in change. And I needed to redefine myself. But I didn't know what to grasp on to to redefine myself. And we see that no matter if the change is positive or negative, that redefinition is so hard for us. And it actually comes from a place of grief. When we grieve someone, what we really grieve behind the sadness is that place of who am I without that person? So no matter when you relocate, it's that who am I without that other country and whoever I was before, when I have a child, who am, how do I redefine myself right now? When I'm being promoted, mm-hmm. who am I right now? I was the team member and now I'm the team lead. So who am I now when I am not a friend mm-hmm. as I used to be, or I need to redefine my friendship with my team? When I get married, I was one woman before. Now, now I need to redefine myself. And that brings a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts. And many times, especially the doers like me, what they do 
they keep pushing doing. But when mm-hmm. we are in that space in change of redefining ourselves, the emotions and thoughts slow us down. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you are in parking and you're pushing gas. <laughs> and you can see that when someone is grieving, you say, let's move. And they say, no. So mm-hmm. that's the experience that we are having many times in change. And and I hope it it's just helping get some clarity of what's going on with me. Why am I not able to move as fast as I want to? Wow. Yes. I suppose it's it's kind of accepting those feelings as well, right? It's saying to yourself, they're not going to go away. It's just learning to live with them, I guess. It's, if I can just explain a bit deeper, it's not that they're not going to go away, but if we are going to ignore them, they're going to stay with us longer. Exactly. And, okay, so uh, you're not going to stay grieving forever. It's like, oh my, and, and what we do is like, oh, I feel that uncomfortable emotion or that uncomfortable thought. For example, when I work with people around promotion and they are moving from being a team member to a team lead. So so there is that uncomfortable emotion. Maybe I didn't deserve it. Maybe Mm. there are some people who are jealous at me. Maybe I can't do a good job as the leader that was before me. Mm. And with that, they try to avoid that and focus on doing what they did before because they were really good at the technical side. And now I need to do one-on-one with my people and I need to manage them and prioritize. That's not feeling comfortable there. So I keep doing what I used to do before, but mm-hmm. it's not, that's not really serving me right now because I need to start touching the manager skills and do what I'm expected to do as a manager. So if I avoid those emotions, those thoughts, and I don't address them and aware that they even exist, I will stay stuck. But the moment I address them and pay attention to them, I learn how to uncover them and be with them rather than just doing, just be with them. And then we go through them and can move into new action that engages those new actions with new emotions and new thoughts that, okay, maybe I don't do that like my manager, but there are strengths that brought me to where I am and now I can do it in my way. So there is a a journey we go through to get to the other side. But what happens is that when we ignore them, we just keep those emotions and thoughts longer with us. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I really like, yeah, like your explanation really focuses on the evolution of who we are, right? Especially you know, we probably focus more on the evolution, if you will, when these changes happen. But what I love about what you're teaching and what your sort of what your services offer and the knowledge that you can share with people is that we should be embracing that journey, right? I think a lot of people tend to have this idea of, I know where I want to go. I just don't know how to get there quite yet. And I think being able to embrace that journey in a way where not only are we understanding ourselves, like understanding our purpose, what fulfills us, what makes us happy, but during that journey, there's so much opportunity to be able to share that with others. And I think for your own life, Noah, you've been doing that like since day one, it seems like, you know, you've been through a lot of changes in general, but a lot of changes at once where even one change, I know if my, like if my morning schedule changes, I'm like already freaking out, you know, (laughs) but when it comes to larger life changes, you know, anyone can imagine it can be very overwhelming. So I think to be able to embrace that journey and to kind of be at one with yourself, to understand 
hey, there's going to be support that I need, but here are people that I can reach out to for that support, or here's how I, how I can understand what my fulfillment is and what my purpose is. And I feel like, you know, you had mentioned before that sometimes when we're actively seeking something so hardcore, it's so hard to find. But as soon as we let go, it kind of naturally gravitates toward us, towards us. I think that's how that works out at times. And understandably, everyone's journey and everyone's you know lifestyle is different. But I think acknowledging these different options and taking a chance on things that we haven't done before, like what a great way to to learn new things and share that knowledge and experience with other people. And I think that's why it's so exciting to talk to you today because clearly you have a very unique background that I'm sure a lot of the listeners can connect to in one way or another. So I think that provides a lot of hope and a lot of, oh my goodness, I might be going through this change, but I was so nervous and I was so scared, but hey, maybe this is something I can do. And to be able to talk about that so freely and outwardly, I think is awesome. So thank mm. you for sharing that. Thank you. And I, you just reminded me this morning. <laughs> I start my, my mornings very early. So at 6 a.m., <laughs> my client, when we finished the conversation, and it was really about sometimes when we have strengths, we can use them in a forceful way, or we cannot use them at all. And it's kind of like what we talked about change, right? I was trying in a very forceful way to to create change, that, uh, to take the change to where I want to. And there was that moment that he said two words, for now, for now I'm here and, and I want to keep paying attention. And I told him that's so beautiful because really, I believe that we are in a journey for life. And I, I say in my book that there is, uh, I call it the illusion of awareness. And my book is really, the, there are three parts in the book, awareness. What, what we don't know that we don't know. And then something happens that creates that awareness. We, we might have that sense that something is not working or someone will give us a feedback that something is not working or even our mm. body will give us a, a sign that it's, it's not happy with us, right? And then the second part is the aware mess. I'm trying to figure it out and it's so messy and <laughs> I don't like that. And I actually find that in those messy moments, and by the way, I love working with companies that are in the messy middle because they <laughs> move from five to 50, from 50 to 300, from 300 mm -hmm. to 1500. And it's so messy and I love working in that space with people. So I find that in those moments, there is so much creativity and innovation because mm -hmm. everything is so crazy. And then there is awareness. Now, why do I call it illusion of awareness? Because it's not linear. It's mm. not that, oh, I'm awareless. Now I am I am figuring it out. And now I'm all the time aware. We go in kind of like in driving, right? I'm driving, I'm focused, I know what's happening mm. to me, right? And then poof, 10 miles after, it's like, how did I get here? I don't remember <laughs> anything, right? <laughs> so this is really what's happening to us in so mm. many things yeah, with our journey of what you're saying, that it never stops. So first, there, it's mm. not like I'm getting there and that's it. It's a journey for life. And, and the other thing is really when we create that awareness, we go in and out of it. So even if we learn at this and, and as going through a lot of different changes, I know to identify when I go to force, to control. Mm. And then I can tell myself, Noah, you're doing it again. You're forcing right now. Mm -hmm. What 
what have you learned about yourself to step away from that? And the difference is that if before I was aware less, I was not aware of what I was doing or my tendencies or whatever it is, and I would would just do things without the awareness, right? Now I know that I have that tendency. Mm. And that brings me to a place of a ch- choice. And there are two main choices. I can choose to stay forceful. I have a choice. Mm-hmm. Or I can choose to change. And mm. I can choose to change, but not now. So there is so much space of kind of like empowering myself in that moment of saying, ooh, you're back to your old tendency. Now mm. what you're choosing Do you need a moment to stay with this tendency? Do you need a moment to feel like you are like feeling uh, you're in control? Not really, but just have that sense for just Mm -hmm. a moment longer. And then if I tell myself, yes, I allow myself to stay there. And then I know that very organically, I will shift or I will choose to shift. Rather than being upset with myself that I don't know how to do that that I can't, if it makes sense. So for me, the illusion of awareness, it's not like we stay aware all the time. We Mm -hmm. always in time of stress, of change, of being overwhelmed, go to our old tendencies. It's comfort zone. It's what we know for so many years. So it's easy to go back to that. But knowing that you can get kind of like catch yourself when it's happening and bring yourself back or stay. You have a choice. Deep. Very. I mean, honestly, the two main things that I take away from what you just said is the power of acknowledgement. So Mm -hmm. having an understanding of where you are, where you're going, what choices you have, acknowledging that you even have choices, because I, I think for a lot of people who are either transitioning careers, junior devs or any devs, like doesn't matter what level you are, but some of us might get into that rut once in a while where we may feel like we don't have choices or none of the choices seem like the right one for some reason. And I feel like this process that you're talking about also focuses on sort of my other point of empowerment, where you have the power, you have choices, and you are able to make these decisions. And how great is it that in a transition or journey that may seem so chaotic for some or may feel like things are completely out of control, like you do have control, you do have those choices. So I love sort of that fluidity and that flexibility where there might be times where the answer seems very visible and easy and other times where sometimes you just got to trust and keep going and, mm-hmm. and figure out at what point can you kind of see the clarity of what you want to do or what you need to do. And I love that you're giving power back to the person versus taking it away, which I feel like a lot of people may feel that in their situations where my choice was taken away because of X, Y, Z. I've gotten myself into this situation where now I don't know what to do. And, you know, I think it's great that that's what you've reinforced. And I think it pays off in the long run where if I am in a position where I realize, hey, I can make these choices, like these are my decisions, then in the short term, it feels more difficult than the long term. I feel like I can reflect back and just be so much happier that, hey, I did that. Like, obviously, with support and help from others, which is great, but I ultimately made that decision. And that's why I am where mm-hmm. I am now. So win-win. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, sometimes it's hard to make those big choices. So mm-hmm. I always say, ask yourself, what is the tiniest choice you can make right now to take back the control 
need. And you see, it's it's kind of like the, those dissonances, those paradoxes, because on one hand, they say, let go of control. On the other hand, where can you get control, right? So it really depends on the need in that moment. But sometimes change can make us feel that we have no control and we might be controlling too much. So how can you make it more right, empowering and gentle. On the other hand, having a sense that you have control on, you know, you can't control anything that can also be frustrating. And sometimes I will ask, what is the tiniest thing you can do? Well, you can get a cup of water and just drink right now, or (laughs) you can just stand up. So you can start with those little things to say, okay, I got control back. I stood up. What now can I can can take control of. So I might not be able to change my tendency, but I can do something different, smaller, gentle with myself Mm -hmm. to remind myself that I am in control always. Definitely. That's awesome. Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there. And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. I just wanted to kind of track back a little bit and talk about, you were talking about kind of blockers and mental blockers. And and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is imposter syndrome. It's quite prevalent, I would say, in in the tech industry, probably in any industry, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But having that feeling where you you don't feel you're good enough and you you know you're questioning your own abilities and I, I've done I, I do it all the time in fact I, I I did it today just before this podcast I was feeling like you know am I okay can I do a podcast is this something I you know I want to do mm. I think it's, it's a normal process to go through and I don't think it ever truly goes away but like you say it's having the control having the awareness and making those changes but how do we how do we learn to kind of combat these feelings? Is, is is it as you say, taking those little steps at a time and making those small habits that will eventually get you over that hurdle? So probably you already know me a bit, Lindsay. So you know there is no right answer. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that voice, and the voice that I call the saboteur, or other people call the inner critic or the gremlin. That voice. We all have that voice and that voice comes very strongly when we Mm. try to stretch ourselves or go through a personal or different change. And that voice job is to really keep the status quo. So the reason I call it saboteur is because it comes from the French word sabotage to harm, to get in the Mm. way, right? So when we want to try something new that is saying, come on, you're not good enough to do that. Here, here it's it's safe. Here you will not fail. 
So for some people, it will show up as the imposter syndrome. You're not good enough. For others, it might show up. I, I identified three main voices, okay? So the first one, you are not good enough. I am not good enough, okay? The second one is your work is not good enough. So come to me when you're really serious. This is this is not serious. Keep working, keep procrastinating, keep researching, keep learning. You're not there yet. Come to me when you're really serious. Okay, so that's the second voice. It's really mean one, by the way. And the third one is more of the why bother. Why even bother? No one will pay attention. So those are three ways. You talked about the imposter syndrome. So it's more in the first two. And it's just that voice that we all have. So it's not just you and all the people who listen who think it's just them or just Mm -hmm. them in their team. And by the way, I talk with executives in C-level that Mm -hmm. feel the same way. They went through so many things. They, They collected so many experiences and they walk with the same feeling that they are not good enough. So I am always amazed that we all share the same fears, the same Mm. concern. And one of the things I learned with that voice is that first we need to pay to learn to hear, hear that voice and say, Oh, you're here with me right now. And rather than be upset with yourself, ask yourself, when is that voice showing up? Is it showing up all the time? Does it show up Mm. just when I'm going through, I don't know, when I go to a meeting room with my peers and I don't feel as good as them? Does it show up when I try something new? So really get curious about that voice and get that thorough understanding of that voice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just from curiosity, not judgment. Don't ask, why am I doing that? But, ooh, you're here. Going on here. Mm -hmm. I want to understand you better. And now how do we, I call it, lower that volume? Because the bigger the change you're going through right now, the the higher the volume. So, Lindsay, before the podcast, what was the volume of your your Svator voice? One to ten? Nine. Nine, right? <laughs> so, okay. So, so you know that, and that's what you wear. That's okay. It's it's kind of like okay. It's my first time leading a podcast. What's going? So, what's going on? What, oh, wow! I'm trying something new here. So that voice is trying to protect me. So some people say even try to understand what is real about that voice. What is maybe the truth there? I don't like that, but you can try that too. And then there is a second way you can try to work with that voice and bring a different voice. And one of the strongest voice you can reach out to is your future self. So let's say, Lindsay, that you led 30 years of podcasting or you are five years forward. What Mm. would you tell your, your present Lindsay? That's sitting there and saying, I'm not good enough. What's that future Lindsay will tell you right now? That future Lindsay would say, it's totally fine. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Do you know what? It's actually, it's really good to hear that there's people there in these high up positions that that go through the same thing. I think, mm-hmm. I think from, for me, I've always just assumed that it's people in lower level positions or, you know, people just starting out and, and that sort of thing. So it's actually really good to hear that from you, that you're not alone in in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. No, no. And, and, you know, sometimes I, I work for my, my house for years and I will go up for my, my home office and I will tell my husband, it's amazing. I don't talk about the clients because it's confidential, but I, mm-hmm. I will say it's amazing that no matter who you are, what is your title? 
we all have the same pains, the same mm-hmm. fears, yeah. the same scars, and the same things and challenges. And that's when I share my story. I don't think there is anything unique about my story, but most of us hear the stories of the success. We don't hear the stories mm. of the challenges people went through to get there. Yeah, and, and that's why I invite people to read. If you, if you have imposter syndrome, maybe what I will suggest, read a lot of biographies of the people you adore and mm. you, you, you want to learn about because you will realize how many challenges those people went through. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I think I'll, uh, think I'll do that. It's <laughs> good advice. Thank you. I think we've got time for another question. I wanted to talk about speaking because it's it comes naturally to you, mm-hmm. it seems. And I think that's something that a lot of people, it's scary, I guess, for a lot of people to, to stand up in a room of 100 people, for example, and, and do a mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for for people who want to get started and where to get started, I guess? Yeah, so that that's a great question. And yes, for me, some people feel very comfortable on the stage. So I always felt very comfortable, but the move to the US when I when so the same way the the women reached out to me and say coach us later on when people heard my story they they said wow it's really interesting where can we hear you speak and i said come on i can do it in hebrew but not in english because that was my <laughs> my, my sabato voice is you can do it in hebrew but not but not mm. in english that's mm. i'm i'm sharing that was my sabato for many many years and it got in my way so with the encouragement of my my coach, because I also always work with a coach, I believe you have to walk the talk. He encouraged me to go to Toastmasters. Have you heard about Toastmasters? Mm. Yes. Yep. So Toastmasters is a speaking club and it looks really frightening when you look at their website <laughs> because it looks, you know, people with ties and very formal, but there are different clubs with different vibes. And really th- most of the people are not speakers. Most of the people mm-hmm. who come to Toastmasters come to work on communication skills or presentation skills. So you can start there. It's a place, a safe place when you find the right club for you. And now there are lots of that also remote because of the COVID. You can really work on your on your speaking skills. You don't have to speak every week. And there are different ways mm-hmm. to practice and get feedback. So a lot of times also I work with people that English is their second language. And they want to feel more comfortable when they speak in English. So it Mm -hmm. helps you with whatever you need to work on with speaking. Now, the second question, you mentioned 100 people. I say, before you start with 100, start with three, then with five, then with 10, then Mm -hmm. 20. Then you will probably find yourself speaking to 20 for for some time. And then you will switch to the 100. The thing is that we start with the 1000, but before people get to the 1000, a lot of things they say Rome, Rome was not built in, in one day. Do you, do you know that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same with speaking. You Most people, unless something really crazy happens, don't shift from, from one to 100. There is something happening mm-hmm. in the middle. So Toastmasters is a great way, great way for you to practice and just speak in different associations, podcasting, all those different things. Get that more of a warm experience. Get to know who you are as a speaker, what people resonate with. By the way, stand-up comedy, comedians, when you hear their stories, check Jerry Seinfeld, all those comedians, they will share the same thing. They would go on stages for five people, even 
they, all those Netflix specials, they go to 20 people or, or 50 people testing groups to check just five minutes of their all one hour thing and they build it for a year. So so you will see that even in stand-up comedy, it's not like they come up with one hour. They do a lot of work in speaking and everything to to get there. So so one of the things I want to say that also with speaking, you don't get there right away with your talk. It takes time to build the material and see about what people like and don't like. But step by step. How you eat an elephant, one step one at a time. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny because that exact phrase was used only an hour ago. <laughs> so that's so funny. Okay. It's awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Susan. Sorry. Awesome. No, no, I just, it's, it's awesome to hear someone who embraces this transition. And I think, especially starting out, being non-technical, becoming a junior dev, kind of moving over to the dev realm, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I've always felt like, man, I don't know anything. I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface of something, but then I realize, oh, is it, do I feel fulfilled doing this? Do I feel like I'm contributing to something? Do I feel like I'm helping bring solutions to the table? And now I feel like I've kind of found my happy medium where I enjoy coding. I like the coding culture. But it wasn't something that gave me the fulfillment that I felt like I really needed. And moving on to the DevRel realm, which allows me to create content, technical content, but really, I guess most importantly for me to interact with the community, I was like, awesome. I feel like this is exactly what I want to do. But the transition from being 100% software developer into this new position, I was like, I think I know where I want to go, but how do I get there? And Throughout this journey, something that I'm not used to or haven't been used to is this part of my journey being public. And I am typically a very private person, but I've been very fortunate where I've met a lot of great people who've offered a lot of support. But on the flip side, what comes with that is what felt like this loss of privacy. And that seemed very important to me because, oh no, what if I mess up in public? What if someone catches me doing something the wrong way or something? And I realized that that's all part of it. And it's often that any advice that I would like to give people when it comes to sharing my story is that that's okay. Like, this is part of learning. Like, sometimes we have to make these mistakes privately or publicly. But the important part is being able to, to learn from those and doing our best to improve and be sort of an improved version of ourselves, if you will. And so I really love that in sort of what you coach and what you teach people is to embrace that versus I think it's natural to feel scared in situations like these, but to really give that encouragement to people that you have that choice. And I think, I mean, I know I've probably harped on that during this whole podcast, but mm -hmm. to me, I feel like I almost have to hear it that many times to truly understand it. And I really hope that people who are listening in also feel that way, where if you are in a situation where you feel like you don't have any control or that you don't have a choice, like acknowledge that you do. and understand that you have choices and that you have the power to make those choices. And I think overall with these different journeys that we share, like know that you are not alone, know that there are other people who are going through what you're going through, something similar. And I feel like in situations that I've personally experienced, it only takes one person to say something. And then other people start opening up and start kind of raising their hands saying, hey, I've actually been through that too. Or, hey, I'm currently going through that but I didn't know other people were, or mm -hmm. I didn't know how to articulate it, or I was just 
embarrassed or scared to share. And those are all valid emotions and reasons. But it, I encourage anyone, if they can be that one person to help jumpstart that, I mean, I mean, talk about growing a community, right? I mean, that's insane. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's, I mean, it's interesting how, I mean, you're a great speaker, obviously, and it sounds like it comes naturally, but at the same time, you've had to put in a lot of work to get to where you are. And I think mm-hmm. how great that we're able to witness you in this part of your journey where you're able to share your knowledge and coach people to to feel empowered and to feel good about what they do. So, you know, applause all around. <laughs> <laughs> and if I just can say something really small before yeah. we move uh, to the next thing, that's that's another thing regarding the imposter syndrome that Susan said so from the heart your willingness to share and be public with your journey is because there is a bigger purpose for you. And sometimes with imposter syndrome, you can ask yourself or really in, in when you go through the challenge, what is the purpose behind that? What is my why? And I think we can hear from the heart that you're willing to go through that because there is a bigger purpose of community and support mm-hmm. and and sharing your challenge for the growth of others. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's why Lindsay, Lindsay's purpose, just from the bit I got to know her, is the reason that she told the, this, the imposter before the, this show, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through <laughs> that and I'm going to be awesome because... I want to support this community and I'm passionate mm-hmm. about this purpose. And that's what allows us to go beyond ourselves. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you know what? I could sit here and talk to you all day? <laughs> so inspiring. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I think we have to move on to text now. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best in class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. So, for the listeners, PICS is where we each share something interesting. It doesn't have to be technical, it can be absolutely anything. So, I'll start today. My pick is udemy.com, it's an online training. Um, website that delivers courses across a broad range of subjects. Um, I've done a lot of technical courses on there, which are, are really good. One thing I like about it is it's it's quite cheap and they quite often have sales that reduce their prices as well. I think I even did a piano course on there at one point. So it's quite oh, fun. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, they've got everything. They've got everything from mm-hmm. personal development, which is kind of related to what we've been talking about today business and and like I said tech so I'll share a link in the chat awesome so my pick is it doesn't have to be specifically this product but I guess the topic and the subject of documentation and I realized for my I guess own personality type I love documentation like I love having a reference I love that I can point a single source of truth to someone and I am really grateful that I can bring that into my new role here at Stackblitz where I can outline how to do something for people who don't have that context. And so I've been using a site called DocuSaurus, which I just think sounds cute, first of all, but it's a really great way to build documentation, um, websites, blogs, marketing pages, and things like that. And, you know, I would encourage other people, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what level you are, I think it's so important to, to document and make different processes and policies and whatnot accessible. And I find often that people or companies that don't have this 
sometimes it can be harder to communicate with others. And especially as someone who's trying to engage with the community more, I want to be able to provide those resources for people. So if you're, you could be studying, you know, for a course and writing notes down, you can be creating new policies for your company or even, even writing out how to best communicate with your team. I mean, just having that written out somewhere, I think is just so important because it allows you to invest all that time now so you don't have to redo it again and again and again. So, you know, DocuSource isn't the only resource. There's a lot out there. And before I started using DocuSource, I've used Notion often, which I still use for my personal and professional work. But being able to organize all of that and being able to visually see it has been extremely helpful uh, for me to organize my projects, understand how to prioritize them, but also be very transparent with my team with what I'm working on. And what a great way to do that async, especially since a lot of us are having to work remote now and a lot of companies, gratefully, are open to hiring people from wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you are. And so I feel like it's really helped me communicate with others in a way where, hey, I don't have to be up at four in the morning or another dev that I'm working with doesn't have to sacrifice their family dinner to have a meeting with me. And so DocuSource has just been a really easy way for me to put all that together. So for anyone who wants to improve communication skills or hasn't tried some sort of documentation site, um, I definitely recommend giving it a shot, seeing if it's something that you'll like and uh, definitely trying out DocuSource. So brilliant. Thank you. I, I can vouch for that tool. It's it's pretty good. I think it's an integral part of the development process as well, right? So Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, do you have a pick for us today? Yeah, can I break the rules? Can I have two? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> okay, the first one is one that I use with my clients. I call it brain dump. It can also be an emotional dump. So sometimes you feel emotionally overwhelmed or just life and work overwhelmed. It's just like too, too beyond too much. Okay. And that's where I say, just take a blank paper and, a, or on your computer, I prefer on a real paper and a pen and just dump everything that you have on that paper. And I promise mm -hmm. you the same thing that uh, Susan mentioned about the docu, docu source, you will start seeing trends. You will start seeing some stuff of what makes it so overwhelming for you. Even mm -hmm. if you cannot fall asleep, you can just put a notebook next to next to your, or you wake up in the middle of the night, put a notebook next to your bed, just wake up. Don't keep thinking about it in your head. Brain dump, brain dump. My, my clients love it. Sometimes they come to sessions mm -hmm. and they are so overwhelmed and we do that and they feel so relieved. So if you feel that burden of overwhelmness, do that. So that's just a little tip. The other one I want to mention is it's the assessment of the saboteurs. So apparently there is a guy there. He also has a, a TED talk about the saboteur. He created an assessment. So I will share the, the link with Lindsay and Susan to put, put in the show notes. And you can just, there is more than one saboteur. So you can see the different ones and which one are the ones that are getting in your way. So it's a great way for you to get to know your saboteur even better. That sounds brilliant. Thank you. Those are awesome notes. I will add one thing interesting that you mentioned about the brain dub, Noah, is that for some reason, someone put it to me this way and it really clicked for me. I don't know why, but, you know, think of your brain and your mind as like prime real estate, right? And it's like, you want to have good stuff in there. And sometimes worrying about projects or worrying about to do's and other things, it's not worth it. So it's like, get them out and free up your prime real estate for the things that really do need that space. So I, like from my own experience, I 100% agree. 
whether it's a notebook by your desk, having notes on your phone, whatever way works best for you, like get that all out. And I feel like you can process that information a little bit easier and you're giving yourself a break, like less stressed. Like you don't have to think about it because you have it listed somewhere now. So I would a hundred percent back the brain dump. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again, Noah, for joining us today. It's been really insightful and inspiring. Just before we end for today, can you tell the listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out? So first I want to say thank you. Thank you for having me and for having a real up and real right open heart conversation with no (laughs) (laughs) no editing in a way. The best way to find me on all social media, the same social media handler, it's Noah, N-O-A-R, my last name, Ronan, Noah R Coach. So it's the same on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or semi Instagram. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Thank you very much. Awesome. So I guess to wrap up, so my name is Susan again, a community engineer at StackBlitz, and you can find me on Twitter at Suki Supremo. Feel free to message me with questions about the podcast, StackBlitz, or if you just need someone to talk to. I've been very fortunate where people have reached out, sharing their journeys and just wanting a different perspective. So I'm always open to listening and talking. So yeah, definitely hit me up. (laughs) Brilliant. And my name is Lindsay Browning and you can also find me on Twitter at lbrowning86. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.